back to another episode of MJ's Progress Not Perfection. Today's guest is Irene. Irene and I met in high school, you know, um, we did go to school together. We, I think we hung out like once, we talked, well, I don't think we can really get into it on this interview, um, but yeah, we, you know, we definitely had the same kind of friends, and we knew the same people, um, but we didn't really like intertwine, I guess you could say, but we get into all that though, um, her story is her story. And that's the whole point of Recovery Month is everybody has a different story because there's a lot of different people out there that can relate to a lot of different things. So I know this is going to be one that there's a lot of people out there that's going to be able to relate to what it was like finding drugs and alcohol at, you know, teenagers and going all through high school addicted to drugs. You know, I know she's not the only one. I know she's not the only one that I've talked to. So, you know, this is a very very raw interview of what it was like for her, you know, between the ages of, you know, really 14 and 19 is what we mostly cover for her years. And it's an intense time for her. And we get into all that. And I hope you enjoy listening or watching as much as I enjoy talking to her. Welcome to the show, Irene. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. So. Like we said, I haven't seen you in like 15 years. I know. Um, and I didn't know then, you know, because I was just, you know, a dumb 20-year-old getting drunk. Yeah. I didn't know then that you were already, in, I guess, in the thick of an addiction. Yep. So I guess let's get started from the beginning, as in where did, like, did you see drugs growing up or alcohol growing up? Did you, like? So that's what's wild is I didn't. Um my dad, uh, he's an alcoholic, um, but he wasn't really in the picture very much. Um, I was raised by my mom and my stepdad, both of whom, um, I don't know about their past, you know, but from what I've, from what I have ever experienced seeing them from my earliest memories, they, they didn't do any drugs. Um, they didn't, they weren't heavy drinkers, you know, um, and there was really never any drug use in my family um, that I'm aware of. Uh, you know, I guess as an adult, I never asked the questions like, did you ever, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I, I was really never exposed to it. Okay. Well, that, that kind of makes sense because I was never exposed to it either. And then, yeah. you know, I found it, you know, because, yep. you know, I was curious mm-hmm. and, I was the oldest, so I was bound to be Same. the one to make the mistakes first so that my siblings didn't have to make mistakes yep. that I made. So, you know, I was trying everything that I could, mm-hmm. you know. When, when did you first either, like, drink or use? What did you do first? So, um, I started, um, I took a pill of some, of some kind, and... I wish I had better memory and like a better, like that it was chronological in my brain. But you know, when I look back on it, it's kind of jumbled up. So I'm going to try and stay as linear as I can. But, uh, it was definitely pills of some kind, uh, Percocet, maybe, uh, something like that. Um, my boyfriend at the time, um, he got a hold of some and he was like, you know, it makes you feel super good, you know, try it. And I was down for whatever. At that point, I hadn't even drank. I didn't drink yet. I hadn't drank yet. Um, I didn't smoke yet. You know, this was my introduction. And I took it and it was incredible. I was like, this feels so good. I was so happy. I was talkative. My body felt good. You know, the body high was incredible. And I wanted to experience that as much as I could. And And how old were you? I think I was 13 or 14. And then shortly after that, I started drinking. Um, because pills weren't easy to get a hold of. Um, but I liked the feeling of being high. Alcohol was easier to get a hold of. And I, although I had never drank, I knew that if it was going to alter my mind in some way that I was going to be down for it, you know? And, uh, And I start the first time I got drunk um, was me and three other friends. And it's actually 
funny because um, we met up at where you used to live in that parking lot. So you probably know the people because I believe one or two live there. And, um, and they had both since passed, rest their soul. And uh, we had a bottle of vodka, a water bottle of vodka and a bottle of orange juice. And we just kept taking swigs of it. It was disgusting, but we just walked and drank it. And which is so stupid to think back on because I was just taking mad shots of vodka at like 13 or 14. And, you know, it doesn't hit you right away. But I was like, I don't want to risk it. Like, I don't want to do too little, you know? Yeah. It's gross. Like, I want to, like, you know. And by the end of that bottle of us splitting it, I was so drunk. And we ended up going into a, the pizza hut that was there. That It's like a bank now or something. And uh, I don't really remember like in the pizza hut because we were so fucked up but I guess like I fell or one of the girls that I was with um she spilled like soda everywhere and I guess the employees called the cops on us and the cops my um family is they are cop associated you know a lot of them are cops I grew up with um police officers and you know of our town and they knew who I was and he was like, get in the car. They put us all in the car and he was like, get in the car. I'm taking you to your mom. And I was just like, damn it. And then I got home and I was drunk and my mom could tell. And I got grounded for like ever. And so I took a little break, you know, didn't, but I knew that I liked being drunk. I was like, Oh, this is cool. But it wasn't something that like, it wasn't as good. It was, it would be a good filler, you know, if I couldn't get a hold of anything, I'd be like, all right, you know, but like, it wasn't my thing, you know, It'll fill the it was void, like a backup literally. plan. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But then, uh, we ended up getting a, uh, a steady connection for pills. Now, um, it didn't matter what it was. Um, I just knew that we were either going to be paying 50 cents or a dollar a milligram, you know? whatever it was, um, Percocet, Vicodin, you know, hydrocodone, whatever. Um, and we ended up getting a steady connection. And this is the same friend that took me out drinking. He ended up being our steady connection. We are going to meet with our dealer. And uh, I remember a clear as day, my first time, um, we met him on the train tracks. And he was like, look, I couldn't get a hold of any pills, but I got something better. And, you know, he was shysty anyways, you know, sometimes when it came to like not delivering product, not delivering enough, you know, taking money, whatever. But my boyfriend at the time, he was pretty intimidating. So people didn't really fuck with him. And um, he he was like, just trust me, just trust me. And we're like, you know, he gives us this bag and it was like, you know, like a dime bag, but it had, you know, it was flat and it, you know, it looked like nothing like powder was in it, but you know, like in the cellophane, you know, like in the wax. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, we're like, if you are fucking us, you know, we're going to kill you straight up. You know, we had given him a lot of money, you know, and expectations. I think we were getting oxys, oxycontins. And, uh, which at that point in my addiction, and I, I would say I was probably about 15 at this point. Um, oxys were what I was always looking for. Oxycontin, you know, and he was like, this is the equivalent. Um, it's even more potent and it's cheaper, you know? And we're like, you better not be fucking with us. You know? So he had a refund for you? <laughs> yeah, have... basically. He was like, here's this and here's the money. Yeah, here's some money back. And then... <laughs> right. Okay, yep. okay. And we're like, all right. And he called it, um, he didn't call it heroin, though. He called it diesel. I was going to guess China White. Nope, yeah. he called it diesel. And 
And now this is a time where you can't just hop on your phone and look up what diesel is. I can't just hop on the, my dial up computer that's in the middle of my living room for my family that, to like see. 2004? Yeah, I, I don't even know, but. I mean, if you were like 15. Yeah. I'm trying to think I was like 17. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it was like early 2000s. Yeah, we were. Yeah. It wasn't smartphones even weren't even popular. No, I don't even know if I had a phone phone at that no, point. You I know? sure I did not. Yeah. And so uh, he was like, but this is some serious shit. He was like, you're going to take this bag. It's powder in it. You're going to cut it up into four equal lines. He said, start with half of one of those lines. Let it hit you and see if you can do the other half. And I'm like, no fucking way. I'm like, no way, but whatever, I'll do it. So we go back to the spot that we were going to do it at. And I did exactly as I said, exactly as he said, took half the line. It took five minutes for it to, not even, not even five minutes. It was minutes where it kicked in and I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. I, I had never felt a high like that in my life because it was just so powerful and it's not the it's not the high that lingers with you it's that first initial when it like hits you that it it, it can't be peaked you know like it it's the ultimate yeah and um it's it tasted awful the back trip was awful and uh it made me puke violently puke <laughs> but i felt great and it was from that moment on where I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to be doing. And still didn't know what it was. So when you open up the little like, you know, plastic dime bag, you pull it out and it's like a wax paper. And then it has like a stamp of some sort on it. And it'll say like, it'll have like boxing gloves on it. Or I'm trying to think of like what they had. One of them, one of them ironically had like a, a, a tombstone on it or like a coffin on it, which is like so ironic and so fucked up. But um, that's how you could tell what was, you know, when you hit, when you, cause we would hit Camden um, when you would hit, you know, everybody would talk around and be like, oh yeah, tombstone's the best shit out right now, or coffin's the best shit out right now, or knockout's the best shit out right now. And that's the only like ones I can remember right now. But um, you would you would hit you would try and hit those blocks to get, you know, the most potent shit, which was likely cut with fentanyl or something. And um, yeah, I uh, I rarely ever went into Camden. Um, it was always my boyfriend and our friend that went. Um, but we would try and get it in like bundles so that we didn't have to go so often. Um, but yeah, so how, that was, how are you affording bundles at 15? I was working okay. at, um, a pizza place in Oakland. Okay. And I was getting paid under the table and you know how, when we first started talking on this, how you said, like, I never knew, you know, that you were in addiction. I had no idea. And that was the thing, like, um, I didn't look like your average, like junky looking kid. Like I looked nice. I wore nice clothes. You know, I took care of myself. I was never like, you know, not an out and shit, you know, like I really tried to keep it a secret so much so that my parents didn't even have any idea, you know, eventually they started getting an idea, but you know, it took years. Um, the only reason that people got suspicious of me is because I was hanging out with the crowd that was notorious for that. Okay. And that's how people would be like, you know, that's kind of weird, you know, that you're always hanging out with this crowd. So, yeah, yeah. If you're hanging out with them and not doing anything. That would be weird. Weird. Right. So if you're hanging out with them and doing, it would be most likely you're doing shit if you're hanging out with them because it'd be weirder yeah. if you weren't. Right. Like they wouldn't if, be inviting you into their circle if you right. weren't getting high with them. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I was getting high every single day. I mean, I can't think of one day that we went without it. Um, I really, really can't, huh? You were At like 15. what? A, a freshman? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Every How single were your day. Grades? 
they were good. So um, they weren't the best. They they could have been better, um, but um, they were good. They were passing, and um, ironically, the only time I ever really did bad in school was the year before I started using. Um, I failed eighth grade fucking geography and had to go to summer school, but I was sober at, you know, like I was fine then. Um, yeah, uh, my, my grades were good. Uh, Certain classes were better than others, but, uh, yeah, they were good. I was, I was good. Um, there was no reason to be suspicious. You know, I didn't cut school. I cut school, you know, like whatever, but I didn't like miss school a bunch, you know, like I would just get high in school. I'd be getting high in the bathrooms, you know, like didn't care. I, I'd always had it on me, um, no matter what. And, um, but I guess it's easier to conceal that and yeah. do that than like smoke weed in school yep. or smoke a cigarette in school 100%. Like, or drink you're going to smell. Yep. Like, so if you just like, you know, do a little bit of a line. A little, right. You know? Exactly. And then, then if you're not in awe, if you're like, that girl needs to get some sleep. In. Right. Let's, let's <laughs> let her go to the nurse's office and take a little nap. Um, yeah, I would, I have really bad allergies too. So, um, anytime like people would be like, man, like, your eyes look heavy or something. I'd be like, yeah, my allergies are so bad today. You know, like, and damn, people wouldn't even January. question it. <laughs> right? <laughs> what, this is an allergy season for everybody? <laughs> um, which is, I'm kicking myself in the face now because now I actually really do have really bad allergies and I'm sober, you know, and it's really like making yeah. a, you know, didn't make a liar out of me. Like that's really how my face is now. So, yeah. Um, no, I hear that because I always say I'm allergic. I'm not allergic to anything, like medicine-wise. Mm-hmm. But really, I break out in hives from V-cut 30s. Wow, really? Specifically, the V-cut um, Roxy 30s. I always broke out in hives. My face would get all blotchy, and every single time, I mean, it never stopped me. Right. It would always like, "Hey, you good? What kind you got? V's? Fuck. Okay, I'll right. see you in 30." Like you know, right. <laughs> it was always just like it's gonna happen anyway. Right. Like you know. You know, um, that was something to say to doctors if you actually had an allergy, because then they would they would prescribe you Percocet, which was better. It has less Tylenol in it. So uh, that was something that people would do is say that they were allergic to it, you know, because it is a common allergy. Um, people are very commonly oh, allergic yeah. to that. Um, and they would give you a better a better pain pill. Yeah, I used um, to doctor shop. It, yeah. It- but it was a lot easier. It was, what do you want? Right. Um, 120 Roxy 30s and 120 bars. Right. All right. Here you go. See you next month. I know. And thankfully, times have changed, you know. But, yeah, it was such a different ball game back then. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. This was, like, nine years ago that I started going there. And, you know, you had to get a referral from, like, another patient. Yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, like, Oh, you need a doctor's referral to come here? It's like, no, you need a patient referral. We need to know you're cool. Right. (laughs) Isn't that wild? Uh, Yeah. Like, do you have insurance? Oh, I do. Okay. We don't take insurance. Only cash. Cash only. No checks either. No checks. Bring the cash. No card. Right. They made it too easy. Yeah. And then you sit in the waiting room and there's like 40 people. And it's like a living room waiting room. And you're like just cramped and you're like, how are they going to see all of us in an hour? And right. In and out. In and out. Wild. Fucking revolving door. Yeah. They ended up getting shut down, though. I got a phone call from the... No way. The front desk. I was, you know, you know, I'm friendly with everybody, you know? Yeah. So she calls me up. She was like, hey, um, I know you were just here two weeks ago, but we just got raided. You better get <gasps> here and get your script, because they just got arrested. Oh, my God. But your script's sitting on my desk. So right. come in. I'll just hand to you, and you can leave. No money's exchanged. It's your last wow. one. It's going to be your last one, but come get it. Holy so I like, shit. I was like, be there in 10. You know, right. I think it was in Merchantville. And I shot up, you know, right past where the DMV, where you yep. do the driver's test. And mm-hmm. I was there in like 10 minutes flying. No got way. Yeah. But that was like 2014, I believe, when they got finally shut down. Wow. So, Thank yeah. God. Yeah. So when now when you really like you're bringing this around school, like, you know, and doing it does anybody else in school know that you're like sniffing lines in the bathroom yeah the um 
the people who bought with me. You were, but you were like, you know, there was other girls with you that you would go into the bathroom and. It wasn't girls. So no, um, there was no other girls um, that would do it with me. Now later, um, while in school, now later down the line, um, I had a friend that tried it um, under my advice, like a asshole. Thankfully, you know, she's still alive and she never got addicted. She, She just doesn't have that you know, Jean, I don't think, you know, um, she was able to just do it every now and then, you know, um, where that wasn't the case for me. Yeah. I, I, I kept it super low key. You know, it's, um, it's not a drug to be proud of, you know, it's not like a social drug, you know, like weed or which, you know, would classify as not that a drug, but, um, it was just not something that you talked about because it's, you know, people looked at you, differently so I kept it super low key um still to this day I'm I'm more open now than I've ever been but um it took me a long time to like why is that now that you think you're more open now than you've ever been what's changed yeah absolutely I I'm more established now um you know I have my own place um I'm a mother to my kids and I'm you know that's People tell me all the time that I'm a great mom, you know, I'm not good at a lot of things, but, you know, motherhood has been, you know, the best part of my life. And I think um, with being established and having people look at me um, as, you know, a good person, um, they're less reserved, they're, they're, more reserved to judge me. I think that if I was in a place, you know, even my early twenties where I was couch surfing with one of my kids and didn't have my own car and stuff, you know, if I told people then they'd be like, wow, you know, because I wasn't, you know, they would be like, no wonder, like that makes sense, you know, why you are where you are now. But it's um, now that I am where I am, it's more of like a triumph story at this point and it's made me feel more comfortable because um you can see that you know people can change and they can be you know good people and productive members of society and be good mothers and you know i just think that something in me shifted and um i guess yeah the shame just started dwindling because i was comfortable because i'm comfortable in my life right now um So the shame, you know, the comfortability kind of overtook the shame. And so now I'm more open than ever. It it has to also help probably that like people are like actively like writing about and talking about like their past more like on social media. Like hundred percent. Yes. Like the stigmas are like starting. They're not going. They're not going whatsoever, but they are being turned down. More accepted. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, not just me personally, but on the broad spectrum of things, 100% right, that it's less stigmatized now, definitely um, has helped me um, yeah, it was be much, more open about it. Yeah, it was much worse back, you know, before. 100%. And I want to add, with me telling my story, that helps fight the stigmatism, or, you know, like there's no, yeah. you know, it helps battle that. Um, by me telling my story. So, you know, it just adds to that movement. And um, yeah, you're, you are 100% right. Absolutely. Yeah. So when, when you're now you're like, what, a freshman and sophomore, you know, and you're getting high every day, every day, but you're working every, you're working a lot, working every day, getting high at work. Sorry to my boss at the time who will probably see this. (laughs) Well, you know, they might've known, you know, yeah, you're right. Might have known at least something was up. Yeah. You know. Right. So I mean, that's the thing. So yeah, you're working every day because you have to support the habit. So you yep. have to work hard. Yep. And, and, I, and I was getting paid under the table, and I worked so much. I was making bank at the time, and I had nothing to show for it. So were you lying to your family about how much you were actually working? So oh, 100%. You, okay, that's what I yeah. done too. We're like, yep. no, I didn't have to work today, but really yep. I did like a 10-hour shift so that mm-hmm. I could make all that money and not say anything about the money. Yep. Okay. Like, wow. when I pizzas, I would make like yep. $300 and I'd be like, ah, slow night, made like 20 bucks. Right. Really, and it all, like. 
Absolutely. It's okay. crazy that I didn't even know that other people did that. Oh, but yeah, yeah, that was absolutely my technique. Yep. Yeah, I, I always it, like the thing is when you had to be a good liar, you had to have the full conversations with whoever mm -hmm. you're going to talk to before you talk to them. Yep. You know, so like I would have to have a full conversation with my dad out mm -hmm. loud with myself. Be like, okay, if I say this, he's going to say that. Mm -hmm. If I say this, he's going to say that. So if I say this, this, and that, I'll be in the clear because my answers will line up. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be ready to go because if I stall any second on my answers, you're going to know I'm lying. Game over, right. Because That I, is so funny. Yeah, I do that too. That conversation in your head, I would do that to make sure uh, that I had an answer for any reaction. I, I, I rehearsed that like while I was driving home, like out loud. Like this is like yep. later in my addiction. Yep. And I lived with my dad more as like a roommate, my brother and I, and we were, we ran a business together Yeah. and I would be driving home from Jersey. I would drive from Lancaster to Jersey four times a week to pick up mm -hmm. hills and drive back again. Wow. So I'd, I'd be driving back like, all right, what's your excuse is going to be, right. what's your reasonings, you know, all your answers, because I talk so fast. Yeah. My family knows how fast I talk. Right. So, and they know I don't really have to think because of how fast I talk. I think even faster. Right. So if I stall on an answer, I'm automatically going to be lying to you. Yep. And they know that. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. So I always had to be like on the ready. Yeah. With my answers or yep. else. Like, had the ammo way. in the head. Yeah. Yeah. My dad knows me way too well. So I always had to be like two steps ahead to feel like. But even then, I feel like he's still new and just, you right. know, my dad's. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> the power of denial. It's, yeah. it's, it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the same thing with my parents is that. They had, they had to have known, you know. We're the and, oldest. Yeah, we're the oldest. So you know, and you I'm know glad that I am because I, I would hate yeah. to think of my siblings going through any of that. I'm glad that I was the, you know, the um, the poster child of what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, now as a parent, like you know, we don't know what we're doing. We're we're figuring it out as we go along. And yep. then I was like, oh, no wonder in my parents, you know, yep. there was even no internet for answers back yeah. in the 80s. And that is, it is so funny you say that because I just think to myself, I was, I think it's hard enough as it is today. And I have the access at my fingertips. I don't know how the hell my parents did it. And Maybe. now that I am, I'm 33 with three kids, which I can't even believe like that I'm a parent, you know, I still feel like I'm 20. And I remember because my, I had my oldest at the same time that my mom had me at me. We were the same age, 20 I'm 21. I had just turned 21. And, uh, I remember being 12 or 13 and my mom being 33 or 34 and just thinking she was so old, you know, she was old. And now I'm there and I'm like, I ain't old. And I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I thought my mom had her shit together. You know, she knew all the answers, you know, like we're just faking it until we make it is what it comes down to. <laughs> and my I parents were totally... 24. Yeah. Yeah. They had me at 24. So they, you know, no idea. No like, clue. You just wing it every day. And yep. it just, you know, well, and I saw the progression too. like looking back. Cause I had my brother and my sister. I'm three years older than my brother and nine years older than my sister. Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to do shit. So I did everything. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And then my brother, he was allowed, the rule was, we lived in Massachusetts at the time, and he was in high school, and the rule was, he was allowed to ha drink in the basement when his friends were having a sleepover, and my mom would go pick it up for them. Yeah. You know, and leave the beer in the mm -hmm. basement, no hard stuff. Right. And then, by the time my sister's in high school, she's in, now they're back in Audubon, she's in Audubon like we were, mm -hmm. and she is throwing huge parties. Right. Like, just collecting keys now. Wow. Now we're just yeah. collecting keys. Right. <laughs> you hey, know? right. And I remember the one time the cops came, and they walked into the backyard, and they saw, I forget who was the cop at the time, but they saw, like, three different cops' kids. Mm -hmm. in the backyard they're like well yep. um just keep it down keep it down right yeah you know and then left you know mm -hmm. because there was cops kids there yeah like, it was just the progression and then my sister you know has an amazing job bought a house in her early yeah. 20s you know brother same thing amazing yeah. he's killing it and then there know. was more leniency there's no need to like rebel or no need to you know it really just <laughs> learning on learning on the right. fly Learning on the yep. fly is what they were yep. doing as parents. Like, yep. okay, we have to let them do some stuff or else right. we're going to have another JD. Because this right, because this didn't work. <laughs> so we got to try a new technique. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> so, and that's why anytime my, my baby sister, she's about to be 18, but anytime she messes up, you know, she's hard on herself. And I'm like, just remember this, sis. You ain't nothing compared to me. You are an angel, sweet little baby. Don't be so hard on yourself. Because if I grew up to be this good of a person, you're going to grow up to be even better. So, you yeah. know. <laughs> are you the oldest of three? I'm the oldest of three, yeah. I have That's me right. and my sister, she's 30. And then my baby sister, she's uh, about to be 18 in October. So when is it the first time you get in trouble now? Because I'm, I'm sure you're going to have to get in. Did you feel withdrawals yet at all? No. So um, fortunately, um, I only snorted heroin. Um, now, I know that that doesn't really make a difference like when it comes to the addiction but I only shot up once maybe twice um I think that um when you get to and the reason that the only reason that I didn't shoot up was because I was terrified of it not terrified of needles but I was just scared of it um I thought that if I progressed to that point there was going to be no return so I always had like this cognitive like um I didn't want to die I knew, yeah. I knew that was for sure. You know, um, I just wanted to be high, you know? Um, and, uh, I never got in trouble with the law, but like I said, I never went to go get it. I maybe went one time to go into Camden to get it. Um, and, um, yeah, I just kept it low key. So I never got like busted um at that point yet but um i guess um so this was a this this would probably be the saddest craziest part of my story and that's um the death of a friend that was such a crazy time and i don't think a lot of people know the story of what actually happened and i really want to tell it um and but what had happened was um, he was a person that we would buy from um, because our regular dealer was in and out of jail all the time. You know, uh, there was never there. Was, and he went to rehab a lot. And, you know, um, but my boyfriend at the time was one of the only people that we kicked it with that had a car. He had a truck. And so he'd be given rides all the time. And um, this person had called him really late one night, um, probably early in the morning, um, like one, midnight one. And he goes, he, um, we didn't answer the phone because we were like, we're not trying to get involved with anybody right now, you know? And he left a voicemail and he was like, yo, man, he was like, I really need a ride. Um, if you pick me up, I have a bag for you, you know, and we listened to the voicemail and we're like, fuck, there was three of us. It was me, my boyfriend and our friend kicking it. And we were, we were coming off, you know, we had done all of our drug supply for the night and we're like, shit, you know, we're at a, we're at the point now where we at least have to do, you know, I started doing one fourth of a bag like a day. Now I'm at the point where I have to do an entire bag every time, you know, every so, time, not every even time. A day. No, not even a day. So I would probably get high like two or three times a day. And it, it required a bag every time. And that's what's crazy is you, your tolerance builds so quick on that, you know, and, um, and when you're snorting it too, it goes a lot longer. Um, when you're shooting up, but it, it's way more intense high, but it doesn't last as long. When you snort it, the high isn't as intense, but it lasts longer, you know? And um, so we call him back up and we're like, bro, is there any way, like, do you have more than one bag? Like, there's three of us. Like, we, we're not going to get high splitting a bag in thirds. And he's like, no, dude, like, that's all I got. And we're like fuck it, you know, whatever. So I stay home and the two boys that I'm with, they go and pick them up and they get the bag. They come back. Oh my God, this is so wild. I don't even think I've talked about this out loud, like to anybody, 
maybe my boyfriend, I don't know, but um, he, he, they come back, we split this stupid ass bag into thirds and um, we do it. And immediately I knew something was wrong. I knew something was so wrong because my ear started ringing uncontrollably. I couldn't hear anything. My heart was beating out of my chest. I wasn't high. I was just, or maybe I was so high that I didn't even fucking know. My bones were hurting. I was like, something's fucking wrong, you know? Something's wrong. And my boyfriend said the same thing. He was like, something's fucking, something's not right. And the other person we were with, he's like, bro, I'm heading home. You know, I got to get out of here. Something's not right. And we're like, what the, you know, cause they cut that shit with anything. You know, I, I would, I would hit a line. I would taste carpet freshener to this day. I can't use carpet freshener, baby powder to this day. I can't use baby powder, you know, um, corn. So- they would cut that shit with anything any fucking thing there's like this certain smell in the lawn and garden center of walmart that i don't know what the fuck it is but it remi- it, it will it reminds me of something that i have ingested you know and I, I avoid the lawn and garden center i go in and out you know like it's shitty but you know they'll cut that shit with anything i'm like what the fuck did they cut this with so i'm looking up online now my mom worked nights so we were at my house when we did this and, uh, sorry, mom. And, uh, she came home and I'm like, mom, I'm going to be honest with you. I said, no, I wasn't completely honest with her. And this is going to be her first time hearing this. If she watches this, um, I said, mom, I took a pill and I think it's fucking me up. And she was like, well, what's going on? What's your symptoms? What'd you take? I said, I don't know what I took. You know, because I didn't want to say something, you know, I just wanted to keep it anonymous. I was like, I don't know what it is, mom. It was a white pill, you know, just kept it super ambiguous. And um, so she's getting on the computer and she's like, well, what are your symptoms? And I'm just fucking violently puking. I'm shaking. My bones are hurting. I'm like physically shaking. My ears are ringing. I was like, there's this ringing in my ears. I can't hear anything. I was like, I'm sick, mom. She calls the poison control center and they're like, it sounds like she ingested aspirin and she may have an aspirin allergy, which turns out I do have an aspirin allergy and there probably was aspirin in it. Um, They said, as long as she doesn't spike a fever, as long as she's vomiting and conscious, you know. Yeah, vomiting's good. Yeah, she should be okay. And that was exactly it. I was vomit you know it didn't spike a fever I was you know sick as fuck but I was okay and my boyfriend at the time too so it didn't it it fucked him up like don't get me wrong but it wasn't nearly as bad as me and it was probably because there was aspirin in it and I did and I had an allergy and um but oh my god I was so fucked well turns out the next day we get a phone call that this person that we had just picked up and took to his home that he OD'd and he was dead. So that same shit that killed him, we did. The only thing that saved us is because we had to split it into three. You know what I mean? And you sniffed it. And sniffed it. And I just can't, I can't imagine if he was like, yeah, you know, I have plenty. Like, here, y'all can have your own bag. I wouldn't be here. I would not be here. There'd be no way, you know, because that shit was cut with fentanyl. And, um, you know, we were the last people to see him alive. I wasn't, but, you know, by association I was. And that shit went around school. Um, You know, people said that we killed him. You know, it got um, mixed around. They thought that we sold it to him, you know which we didn't sell like that. What there was no way I was selling. I was getting high. If I had it, I was doing it period. You know, I've never sold ever in my life. We never did. You know, we weren't out to make money. We were out to get high. We were always trying to find somebody to get it from, you know, the whole reason, um, 
Yeah. And that, that really like fucked with me in school because, you know, later on and even then, like people didn't even know, like I was involved, you know, it was just the two that went to go pick them up. But one was my boyfriend, obviously. And that's when people started to get suspicious about it. And, uh, you know, but still no concrete evidence that it was, that I was doing anything, you know, cause I still looked normal. And, um, that was really hard because, you know, even going to his funeral, like, which I had the right to go to, he was one of my friends, you know, a good friend. And, you know, people looking at us like, like we were just like the worst fucking people on earth. And, you know, obviously that wasn't the time and place and no, there's no time and place to talk about that because, you know, I, I don't have to correct myself and correct the story because people have the right to grieve, you know? And, you know, I don't want, I would never want to interrupt that with like, well, you don't know the real story. You know, I just let people believe what they, they believed because I felt like it would like help with the, their healing or, you know, something like I didn't want to intrude on that. And so I, people believed for a long time that since we, that we sold him that bag and that wasn't the case at all. We did the same thing that he did. And by the grace of God, there was three of us there that night that had to split it. And I got so sick. You know, if I would have done a bag, even sniffing it, if I would have done a bag to my dome, I would have, I would be, I, there would have been two funerals, you know, three, four, you know, for yeah. all of us. And it's just so, and even then, even then, you know, and by, and, and by the grace of God, he left that voicemail because the cops got a hold of us because we were the last ones to see him alive. And my boyfriend had that voicemail on his phone. And that is what, you know. He so was, he was able to play for the cops saying, look. 100%. Look, we didn't forward. sell this to him. Yeah. We got it from him. Yeah. You and know. We got sick too. Got sick as hell. I was still sick. From that third of that bag, I was sick for days. That was the only time that I went days without doing it. So I think that on top of my sickness, I was going through a withdrawal and, you know, I was on my couch. It literally felt like my bones were shaking. I was so violently ill. It was like, it was insane. And that was the was only that, 2006. Yeah. I had to be like, we had to be like seven, 16 or 17. Okay because my boyfriend was driving. So I had to, we had to be 17 at the time. Um, and yeah, you know, and that person that passed away, you know, I had gotten high with him dozens of times, you know, we had good times, you know, good times in the moment, you know, looking back on it, it's not good times. Yeah. I know Worst times of my life, but yeah. You know, and it was just, that was just the shittiest part of this whole thing. And then even after that, even coming, even coming that close to death, as soon as I was feeling better, first thing I did was get high. Didn't give so, a shit. And did I didn't want to die. Did you know you were withdrawing though? I was so sick. I no, because the, the ringing in my ears was still going on, you know, like, I was just bombarded and I'm sure that I was going through, I'm sure of it, you know, cause I felt like I had the flu times a bazillion, you know, but I had that ringing in my ears. And I think like after the, how sick I was when that night unfolded, like I just kind of that overshadowed it, you know, and I just kind of lumped it all into the reaction from that bag. Um, but no, I'm not, I'm sure I was going to withdraw. I'm sure of it. I mean, yeah. I, I had been going three, four years strong every single day. Well, yeah, I noticed that a lot of people, including myself, the first time you withdraw, you don't know your withdrawal until you withdraw again. And then you realize, oh, shit, that yep. was, you know, so that was wondering Absolutely. if you fall into that category. And it sounds yeah. like, you know, that's exactly what it was. And it, you're exactly right, because it wasn't until I actually withdrawn where when I took myself off of it, cause I just quit cold Turkey, which is not the safest thing to do, but I did. Um, I realized, you know, this is exactly how I felt 
when I was laying on those that couch for it was like three or four days. So wait, you were you let me catch up. Okay. Because okay, so now you're 16, mm-hmm. 17. 17. You know, he passed away. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for like three years. Yeah. Every day, basically every day. Every day, basically. Yeah, I mean, every day. Yeah. Yeah. At like, least once a day, but pro- but more yeah. times if I could. And you weren't going through any withdrawals in that time because you're doing enough to keep yep. going. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he passes, you get sick, mm-hmm. you're out of commission for a few days. Yep. And you're like, all right, feeling better, gonna go get high. Yep. How long does that run last now? <sighs> okay, so um, this is another thing that I haven't talked about, but this will be full disclosure. Um, found out I was pregnant around that time and um at I was 17 like, uh yeah it was like 16 17 I think I was turning 17 it was right around that time and I was like holy shit like this is wild you know I can't have a baby this is this is crazy so I quit for like a day or two because I wasn't sure what I was going to do and then I realized then I started to get sick again and I needed to do heroin and I was like that trumped it. I was like, look, I can't, I know for a fact I can't quit heroin right now. I know for a fact I don't want to have a baby. So I ended up having an abortion. And the, I did that. I was high the whole time. You know, I knew that the second when I found out I was pregnant and still wanted to use and still did use, I knew once I like contaminated my baby or my fetus, I was like, no, this, this ain't going to happen, you know? So, um, took a a little break there, um, but then picked it right back up again. And, um, who took care of that then money? What like family? No, or, uh, at the time, the only person that knew, and thank you for keeping this secret. If you watch this was my boss that I worked at at the time, um, because I was supposed to work that night. And uh, my boyfriend took me in to have the procedure and uh, he was just honest with him. He was like, look, she can't work. You know, she just, this is what happened. And, you know, I ended up getting the next couple of days off or whatever. But uh, um, eventually I told my mom um, when I came clean to her about everything. That was one of the things I came clean to her about. But at the time that it happened, it was just my boyfriend and I that had known about it. Um. You know, because that's another shameful thing that has a lot of stuff attached to it. Um, but, you know, it was the choice of carrying a child that I wasn't ready for and continuing to use heroin or, you know, because I knew I wasn't going to stop. There was just no way. And that, it's super selfish of me, but it's just the facts of the matter. You know, it's just the facts of life. So that was, you know, it's such a, a hard decision, you know, and not one that was taken lightly, but that was just the way that it had to go. And that's what I did, you know? The best thing you could have did for everybody involved. Right, you know? You know, even your boyfriend. Yeah, 100%. the best thing you could have did for him, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Because he obviously wasn't ready to be a father. Was Mm -hmm. he ready to quit? No, hell no. Exactly. So if he was like, hey, Irene, I'm going to quit. Let's quit together. We'll do this right. We'll make it work. We're going to quit. We'll get some subs. We'll figure it out. Then right. it's like, okay, I'm I'm not doing this alone. Right. But you're if you're looking at him like, hey, I'm pregnant. He's like, oh, right. no. What right. are we going to do? Exactly. <laughs> you know? 100%. And I'm that like, was well, the thing, too. But even then, even if he gave me that promise, because we had tried to quit a bazillion times. And it lasted half a day where we were like, look, we got to, you know, especially after our friend had passed. Because we're like, dude, like, this drug doesn't discriminate, you know? you It'll take anybody at any time for any fucking reason. And it doesn't matter, you know? And we tried. And even if, he get, even if that promise and that plan was made, like, the follow-through, I... I, I probably even still would have made the decision because there was no promise of that follow through. You know no, what I mean? No, I'm just, yeah. I'm, but I'm you're just, absolutely right. I'm 100% that right. Yep. Like, you know, if you'd have been like, you know what, I'm quitting. Right. Like, you know, and you, and you can tell yeah. in someone's even tone. 
Yep. When they're done, they're done. You know, yeah. the whole like oh, I can't do this anymore, and it, right. with the tears. Whenever there's tears, it's always like I'm in pain. Yep. And I'll wait for the next one, and yep. I'm just gonna complain until the next one. Yeah. But when someone's serious about quitting, you can see it in their eyes. Yeah. And then you would feel it, and then from there you'd be more comfortable to make that decision. Yeah. But obviously that wasn't the case. Not know? at all. Yeah. But yeah. you're absolutely you are a hundred percent right. Absolutely. And then uh, another little short little lapse, which this is wild, which if my mom watches this, she also doesn't know this. Whew. Sorry, mom. All right. <laughs> um, but she, I'm a good person now, and she's super proud of me, you know, and um, what matters is right now, you know, and she has the right to know, you know, I am her spawn, so um, I ended up getting pneumonia really bad. And um, I have a heart condition and I couldn't breathe. And um, so I went to the emergency room and um, they ended up putting me on the cardiac ward because it was putting so much stress on my heart um, that they were, were scared. And I ended up being in the hospital for about a week. Um, I couldn't get up to pee or anything because like, they were basically like, you're two steps away from a heart attack. You know, like you can't take any steps. So I'm strapped to this bed. Um, and, um, they also said I had scar tissue on my heart and I'm like, well, weird. And they're like, you know, um, it's, it's usually like, that's an indicator of drug use, you know, like, do you, have you used, like, do you use? And I was like, nope, hell no, because I wanted, because they were giving me pain meds there, you know, they were making me comfortable. And uh, so of course I was like, nope, mm -mm, not me. Never did a drug in my life, you know? They didn't drug test you? No. Not that I know of. If they did. No, you would have known. Right. Yeah, no, no. Um, but then again, I was young too, you know, yeah. so maybe that had something to do with it. Um, and I didn't look like a drug addict, you know, like I said, like it was so low key, you know, like I just looked like a girl, you know, like a regular ass girl. And um, at the hospital, cathetered because I couldn't go anywhere, you know, couldn't even shit on my own. You know, that was fucking fun, but... Let's be real. Opiates, you weren't shitting anyway. Right, straight up. 100%. 100%. You got that motherfucking right. And um, the crazy thing is, is even literally so sick in the bed, I called up my boyfriend. I'm like, hey, is there any way you can bring me up any? And I did it every day. He would come up. And I would do some, even laying there, like so sick, sicker than I've ever been. You know, that was the, you, that was. Did you use like the bed thing to like raise up in order to do it off the little table? No, it was like, I think um, there was uh, some kind of book or something. The Bible. <laughs> it could have been the Bible. God. Oh my gosh. Um, don't worry i know somebody who's done worse things with them i know people yeah i've heard a lot of stories about bibles and the big book and what people have done with them after they've relapsed right so don't worry the perfect surface space what can we do <laughs> um but yeah that's that's what it was um on and yeah it was that was even then um but that was i was coming about to where i was getting sick of it and actually um uh, the thing that changed my mind and God bless these people for doing what they did, but two of my friends who were also in active addiction, um, they just shipped off to the army, shipped off to the army and they came back and they were clean and they were doing good, still are to this day, as far as I know. And it was crazy because, you know, I basically felt like I was on my deathbed, you know, and I was still doing it even then. Um, but at that point, I think I was getting older and I was dwindling, you know, like it, I wasn't just getting the effect that I used to get, you know, it wasn't fun for me anymore. Um, cause I always had in the back of my mind that I didn't want to do it forever. I didn't want to die. And, um, you know, 
which is one of the reasons why I didn't shoot up because I was terrified of it. And, um, but after seeing those two people who were addicts, the same as me, you know, we, we'd get high and stuff all the time. After they came back from the army, they were clean. They looked good. They were making good choices. We were using in front of them and they were like, no, we're good. You know? Um, and I was just like, I want that. I want that. And it was not a few, it was not a couple days after that, that I was like, I'm telling my mom, I'm telling my mom and I'm joining the army. And that was it. I knew once I told my mom and at this point, higher on, especially after our friend had passed and the police investigated us and stuff, like my mom was 100% suspicious. You know, she would tell me all the time. I know you're fucked up. My neighbor across the street, um, who also passed away, um, he, I was always going over to his house, you know, and him coming out. So my mom, my parents knew. And, um, apparently my stepdad, which I still don't even know the true story. Like he's sober now, but apparently he struggled with some kind of addiction when he was younger and went to a rehab or whatever. Um, so he knew the signs too, you know, they would question me constantly and they would ground me and, you know, um, but they never took that step, you know, and it's because really, and which one of my, you know, it's a quote from one of my favorite movies and a quote that I live by, you know, which I I think I said earlier today, it's um, never underestimate the power of denial. You know, it is such a force, you know? And I think that my parents really did struggle with denial because it, it was out of my character to be that way. And, uh, so I told my mom, I finally, um, went to her and I was like, mom, I've been doing heroin for the last couple of years. I want to stop. Um, I had an abortion and my mom was like, I knew it. And this stops today. Today it stops. So um, and I had been tapering off at that point because I knew that it would be easier for my withdrawal symptoms. So I had been tapering off and, uh, so my withdrawal wasn't really that bad. It was still pretty bad, but it wasn't that bad. I stopped that day after I told my mom, cause I knew there was no going back. Once my mom knew for sure with the words coming out of my mouth, she would come hell and high water. It wasn't going to happen. They locked me up in the house. My mom would drug test me all the time. Um, I had already gone to my recru recruiter. I had my day set out. I was still smoking weed, but that was it. Um, but I had to be completely clean to go to MEPS and ship out. And basically, um, after I met with my recruiter, took my test, um, he was like, you know, what job do you want? I was like, I want first available shipment, you know, as soon as I can pass this drug test, I want to be shipped the next day, basically. So they picked my MLS and um, it was 30 days out, I think, or something. Um, and uh, went to boot camp and completed it, did my boot camp, my IIT and everything. I was sober the whole time, obviously, you know, and came back and never touched it again. That was it. That was basically my rehab was first confessing rehab. to my mom and then go yeah. because I knew that there was no way out with a rehab you can just leave no they you tell know? you that too they they literally tell you that like there like someone's like I remember being in rehab I only went to rehab once I waited 10 10 years to go into rehab because I right. knew I was going to go when I was ready and that right. was it Absolutely. I knew I was an addict right away you know yeah and I said no I'm I'm going to go when I'm ready I'm not ready yet yeah so but I remember somebody in rehab going, oh, this is bullshit. I want to leave. And like one of the people there was like, then fucking leave. Right. The, you the doors aren't locked. Bro. Right. There's no fence around this. We're in a mm -hmm. house in Los Angeles. Fucking right. leave. Just know as soon as you walk off that driveway, we're putting your suitcases at the end of it for you to right. fucking pick up. You're not coming back. Mm -mm. And that's so. exactly it. I knew with the army that you can't. You can leave, but it's a long ass motherfucking process. 
You know, they keep you there until they process you out, which I think is like a torture form. They make you stay there through the whole duration of the boot camp. You were supposed to yeah. be there, but you're just confined to like a, a room, you know, and you can go to chow hall and stuff, you know? Um, so I, I knew that I had to be locked in somewhere. Jail wasn't an option, you know, I mean, it could have been an option, but it wasn't an option for me. Um, and that was it. That's what I did. And then graduated from the army, um, got pregnant with my first son. Thank God, because I feel like, um, getting out of the army, um, I could have, I could have relapsed for sure. I could have 100% relapsed, but basically immediately after getting out of the army, I got pregnant with my first son. And I knew then because I had already made the choice to have an abortion and it weighed heavy on me. You know, I know it was the right choice, but it's still, you know, it's still painful to think about. Um, and I knew that I didn't want to make that choice again. You know, I knew that I was in a better place now. I'm sober. Um, I'm older, you know, I can do this. And my son really, he saved my life. You know, he, once I found out I was pregnant with him, I stopped smoking cigarettes, no drinking, no nothing. You know, I was the healthiest I could be, you know, because my unborn child deserved that. And then he was born. I moved out to the Midwest where his father's from um, because it is cheaper to live out here. You know, I was going to be yeah. in my mom's house with a baby and my baby daddy in our, you know, three bedroom bungalow, you know, on Pine Street. Uh, or I could get my own apartment, my own place, which we got a house, you know, for, you know, $600 a month. It's so much cheaper out here and that I made the choice to come out here. And then I realized I wasn't surrounded, you know, heroin's not an epidemic out here. Like it is on the East coast. It is meth out here and meth. Yeah. I've never done meth. Thank God. Um, never been curious about it. You know, downers are my thing. Uppers are not my thing. You Same. Know? Yeah. Meth is prep. Meth is huge around where I am. Really? Rural. Yeah. 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 I'm in rural PA. So Which makes like, sense because it's rural here too. You hear of houses exploding in the newspaper all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. from that. Um, and the other, actually, you know, it's coincidentally, I interviewed somebody else from your area. Oh, really? Yeah, but his drug of choice was actually porn. No way. Wow. Yeah, like, literally was addicted to porn. Yeah, which is and huge out here, too. Like, which, you can drive down the highway, and there will be nothing, but there will be a porn store. Well, he was married for a long time. Him and his Christian wife were married. Yeah. And, you know, she shut off for him to be able to go on a computer and all that. Wow. So he was stealing money from his restaurant that he worked at to yeah. pay for porn from those yep. places that you're talking about. Yep. Because he was that Absolutely. hard up. Yep. Yeah. That's wild. You know, developed friendships and stuff here. And I was no longer surrounded by it. There was no temptation. I think that I give so easily into temptation. Um, you know, once an addict, always an addict. You know, I have that. I strongly believe I have a gene, you know, passed on to me. Um, it, it's in a more of an obsession of the mind yeah. that we have where it's like, once we get it, we need it every yeah. single day. But yeah. once we get far enough away from it, that's good. Yeah. You know, someone always said to me right now, we have the choice, but as soon as we use it again, we lose yeah. that choice and that, that has all, all the power. Yeah. So, you know, that's something that I always definitely keep in mind is, you know, we do have a choice right now. Yeah. But for if sure. I was to get high, I lose that choice. And absolutely. And, you know, yeah. now that it, now that I'm a mother, my whole perspective's changed, you know, because I just can't imagine my kids going through a life and doing the things that I did. You know, I want to be the best role model for them. And I want, you know, them to and I, you know, I, I'm sober from heroin, you know, because that's my drug of choice. And it's like, you know, and same with narcotics, you know, any surgeries or anything you know like I don't take any pain medicine like I know that once I do it one more time I rather literally I would just rather die and you know my story isn't as intense as a lot of people's but it is a, it, but everybody's journey is different and some people are going through the same journey as me you know what I mean yep. or have and it's just good to hear so many different perspectives and so many different you know triumph stories and you know non-triumph stories too you know it's 
everything helps. This is, this is so important. You doing this. Um, it, it's so important, you know, these kind of Thank things. You. And I just so appreciate you dedicating your life to helping others and getting that word out and letting people speak their truths. And, you know, that's just, it's great. It's, we need a million more people doing it, you know, a billion more. I I appreciate it I love doing this and I'm not going to stop doing it I love helping people either in person or if they can't get a hold they can't see me in person find us online and message us if you go to our page like our MJ's progress of perfection page Uh it says replies very rapidly (laughs) like no lie like we respond within seconds if we can good so yeah but thank you time is crucial absolutely well thank you JD 